Greetings, friends, fitness lovers, and maybe fellow coaches. Uh, welcome to Truth in Coaching podcast. This is episode number one. Uh, so we'll see how the actual name survives contact with attempting to upload this. <laughs> like somebody else has got that already. But um, uh, I am Joshua Spencer, and I've got a gym here in Longmont, Colorado, Peak Conditioning and Fitness. I've been training for about 13 years. I've got Jordan Kaufman in the studio with me. Hello um, there. She's absolutely fabulous and one of my fellow trainers here. And let's just hit the hard stuff right off the bat. Like, what is truth in coaching? Why truth in coaching? What does it even mean? And I thought we could talk about like the three ways that I see that playing out. But um, let's let's go deep philosophical, just like right off the deep end of the pool. And maybe we'll get in trouble and need to call for the lifeguard. <laughs> but uh, for me, successful training, successful coaching, whatever, is you're really on a journey. And that uh, analogy has been just like way overused your fitness journey, your weightlifting journey, you know, your sports journey, whatever. Um, but let's face it, like journeys have roads, right? And on either side of a road is a ditch. So there are two glaring errors that coaches can make. And one is to encourage people into this um, kind of like squishy self-love. It just goes way too far. Mm -hmm. Body positivity has gone too far. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean... Don't love yourself and take care of yourself and have grace for yourself. But it does mean you can crash your journey on one side of the ditch mm -hmm. by going too far with that. Right. Right. Like, you know, what you eat does matter. How often and how intensely you work out does matter mm -hmm. if you're trying to get results. On the other side of the road is this uh, like overly hard ass approach that is like absolutely no excuses Mm -hmm. perfect no yeah perfect no adherence to a perfect plan which probably doesn't exist honestly no. you know coaches do the best that they can with the science that they have and then artfully try to apply it including coaches intuition but uh yeah you can go too far on either side of the road and you can just completely crash yourself um you know the one side of the road is is muddy and squishy and you'll mm -hmm. get stuck and mired down and then the other side of the road is is hard and mm -hmm. concretey and you'll just wreck yep. straight up wreck, wreck and break <laughs> so um so truth in coaching is about calling out the bs when it needs to be called out yes <laughs> right but it's also about how do you like actually interact with an athlete or, you know, in a, in a private gym, how do you interact with a client and how do you motivate that person through the ups and downs? Mm -hmm. You know, a, uh, anybody can go to a motivational seminar, have a motivational workout, have a, a fun event, but it's that grind that's going to mm -hmm. get you there day by day. And people are going to go through ups and lows. So, you know, you don't learn how to behave with a client when you get your personal trainer certificate. Mm -hmm. like you, right. you don't learn how to help them through like a serious period of depression or self-doubt mm -hmm. or anything like that. And there are, there are good educational resources out there. There are good certificates that can help you like improve your skills. And I've done that, but it's all it is, is improving your skills. Right. There is no, this is the only way to handle this, mm -hmm. right? So truth in coaching is real interactions with real people. Right. It is, uh, you know, more about like how it is and how it should be. And maybe that's a little bit of the, you know, the ditch on the one side of the road versus the ditch on the other side of the road. But mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, how it should be versus how it is. That's, it's reality. It is. I think part of it also is, you know, being able to develop that relationship with your clients. Yes. So you, when you need to be able to tell them like, Hey, you need to suck it up, kind of push through it. Cause yes. you need to have those moments with your clients. Cause sometimes they're in that point where, Oh, this is too hard, but really they don't know when they, what they can do until they're pushed harder. Yes. And you have to create that comfort zone with them first. They need to be able to trust you, which I've really experienced with some of my clients because some of them have been really quiet and it's been kind of hard to create that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, Kind of hard to tell when it's the right time to push them and yeah. if it's going to push them over the limit to like a mental breakdown. Right. Well, and one of your clients, I don't know if you saw it, um, just left a review, which is fantastic. So mm -hmm. congratulations on racking up your review challenge. Yeah. Um, but she was concerned, she's a little bit older, and she was concerned about getting pushed into like re-aggravating a rotator mm -hmm. cuff injury, right? right. So um, establishing a trustful relationship with a client Mm -hmm. I think makes when you pull out the old boot up the ass, like that makes that maneuver like a lot more effective it because it's based on trust. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And sometimes people, people need to be given that. They do. Yeah. And you just have to kind of, you know, go through it a little bit to understand when the right time would be and when the right time isn't. Absolutely. Which will tie in directly to speech of the week, which I'll give at the end of the whole the whole broadcast here. But um, so stay tuned for that. But uh, yeah, so the other thing, the third thing, if I've even like distinctly made a one and two yet, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> one okay, A and B, <laughs> two, yeah, three is uh, how to like we actually live as coaches. It's really really easy to say that there's a thing to do or like to point to an ideal mm -hmm. and say, well, you guys should be doing this kind of the do as I say, but don't do as I do, which is not good. No. As coaches and trainers, we have responsibility to be good lifestyle examples. Mm -hmm. And if you were not a good lifestyle example, you wouldn't have got the offer to work here to begin with. Yeah. Right. Um, but then there's also the, I've seen this like with some of my peers um, that I grew up with when I was apprenticing at Innovative Results out in California. There's also kind of like a, yeah, whatever. Like I just own it, and I'm, I'm fat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I eat bad and I smoke, and that's just me, and that's yeah. my style. And like, eh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. That's not good. But if we're actually struggling with something, because I'm a real person, mm -hmm. and I've got real. You know, and struggles. like yeah. absolutely. I've got my own set of biomechanics. I've got my own set of uh, food likes and food dislikes. I've got my own set of triggers that can mm -hmm. push me into eating the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. um, and you do too. So, you know, we need to kind of share some of that on this. Yeah. So truth in coaching is how do we deal with it? You know, because I've had success in my journey and mm -hmm. you've had success in your journey and the journey continues. Yes. Right. And we're basically trying to help people have a leg up. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best analogies that I've seen over my career thus far is that a trainer or a coach is not a drill instructor, right. is not a rep counter or mm -hmm. a babysitter or a psychologist, mm -mm. even though we might have to put on a hat that resembles every one of those every from time yes. to time, right? Yeah. But um, the best place for a trainer to be is like a trail guide. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you think about some of those people that, um, you know, go on like really expensive, like dream hunts and, you know, the Alaskan wilderness or something, right. you know, and, and you wonder like, how does somebody get to the point where they want to do that? Well, they, they're hiring a trail guide and they're not just going out into bush country. Mm-mm. Never mind what your skills are. You don't know right. the territory. You haven't been there before and you're trying to accomplish a thing, right? right? Or if you move to a new city and it, like, wouldn't it be nice to have a contact there who can show you around show you where like the good hidden restaurants are mm-hmm. like and where uh where the hookups are and like what places have good service and you know what places to avoid and you know when to really get your recycle bin out on the street on time mm-hmm. you know or like i guess oh man that flashback um the last couple places that i lived in california like if you didn't move your car off the street you got ticketed on street sweeping day <laughs> that sucks <laughs> yeah yeah majorly but like coming from like not just sleepy Longmont, Colorado, but like coming from north of that, growing up in the country. Yeah. You know, like that was not on my radar. So I got yeah. several tickets. You had to learn the hard way. <laughs> and I didn't have a guide. Like I was out there for work and trying to figure it out. Um, but yeah, so, so a coach is a trail guide. Mm-hmm. A coach is somebody who has had some success before and has some maturity yes. um, and can take you through that process mm-hmm. and kind of point out the pitfalls that, hey, maybe... Maybe, uh, maybe don't do that, you know, because you still have to do the work. Oh yeah. No matter, (laughs) you're going to have to do it. Yeah. If you want progress, you still have to do the work. Like I cannot manually work your body out for you Mm -hmm. in the right set of circumstances. I can manually stretch you after you work out, (laughs) but but like I can't do your pushups for you. No, you can't. You have to do them yourself. Yeah. I think one thing that's helped me with some of like the few struggles I've had, um, whether it was diet or I'm like still recovering from a shoulder neck injury Mm -hmm. is, um, communicating with you. Or I also have the privilege of working with physical therapists, Mm -hmm. but before I wouldn't communicate a whole lot. Like I would Mm -hmm. just keep things to myself. Yeah. And, um, I've, you know, in order to grow and become the best version of yourself, whether that's, you know, in the gym, just mentally, um, having good mentors and just being able to communicate with those people. So, um, I think it's just a huge thing because I personally don't know how to handle certain situations. Like Mm -hmm. I'm really struggling with a certain diet thing and I don't really know where to go for help. So I go to you and you have like great results or great suggestions for me. And then we talk about how I can improve it. And then same thing with my shoulder and neck injury. Um, There's only so much knowledge that I have on Mm -hmm. what I can help with myself there. And so, you know, being able to reach out to the PTs that I work with, they are able to help me um, get more knowledge of how to get stronger and um, get rid of that injury. Yes. Which is really important, I think. And it's also like a really interesting line that's a little fuzzy in like the uh, the physical fitness and health world. Mm-hmm. But like a physical therapist is going to try to get you like like perfectly better, no pain, mm-hmm. optimal movement, etc. Whereas at the same time, like you're not just training for looks right. or for um, like health, like you are a competitive athlete and you're mm-hmm. trying to accomplish some stuff. Mm-hmm. And me having had a, um, like 
12, 13 year rugby career that like peaked in like just shy of the pros. Mm -hmm. um, like I've had almost every injury in the book. Yeah. And like, I know when to be like, come on, Jordan, like it's time to work. Right. You know, or like I have the confidence in you that you can get past this or that you can at least do this and maintain mm -hmm. your skills while this is healing right. versus saying we need to just shut it down and find a complete alternative or you need a day off or whatever. And all mm -hmm. those things are on the table. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's just to... and that's like the whole, that is what is amazing about coaching. Why I got into it to begin with is because, um, my background growing up and having been homeschooled and then having like graduated so rapidly, mm -hmm. like literally by the grace of God, I got onto the collegiate rugby team, um, university of Northern Colorado ended up earning the starting spot, ended up winning a national championship my senior year, which is great. And then getting exposed to like additional training concepts through active duty in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. and then trying to go back into rugby and successfully doing that after my active duty time, I just realized like I had not had anyone teach me how to strength train. Yeah. I had not had anyone teach me how to really take care of my body. Everything was just like hard effort all the time. Yeah. And if you're not good at something, well, then I guess you're just not naturally not good at it and you just suck. And so continue to suck. Right. right. But like, I did not accept that answer. And when I met the right trainer mm -hmm. um, who actually like took me under his wing and was like, okay, let's get better. It like blew my mind almost. I, I hate that expression, but like, you know, like uh, the blinders came off. I saw this whole other world and I was like, dang it. There are a bunch of people out there that are underdogs mm -hmm. that know how to work hard or maybe they have the capacity to learn how to work hard. Right. But there is just technical, like stupid things. They don't know what they don't know. And mm -hmm. you get that skill and knowledge into them. Confidence goes way up and you just see people's like demeanor change. Um, the biggest transformation that we see with everybody is confidence. Yes. Yeah. It's such a huge thing. And as a trainer for me, it's so rewarding to see that because mm -hmm. With a lot of my clients, when they come in, they, like, body mechanics. I have a few who have no body mechanics who don't understand, like, how to move their body correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and then just after working with them for a couple of weeks, months, they're like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's what this lift is supposed to feel like. And just seeing their face light up yeah. is so rewarding. And then um, just wanting... They like get the ear to want to learn more mm -hmm. and push themselves harder because they're more comfortable with it. Yep. I just think for me, that's one of the most yeah. rewarding things. Well, and that's, I mean, it's maybe one of the easiest things to achieve too, but really like if you want to talk truth in coaching as such, since we've like made this setup <laughs> to talk <laughs> about that, like that's the thing right there. That's mm -hmm. the result right there is confidence. Yes, you can transform your body. Yes, you can perform mm -hmm. at a better level. Yes, you can have less fat, more muscles, you can do all that stuff, but um, you're gonna get confidence first. And mm -hmm. confidence is a journey in and of itself, but like that is the life-changing transformation that everybody can have. Not everybody's willing to work hard enough and eat right enough to get the body that they think they want, mm -hmm. but everybody can have confidence in working out. Oh, yeah. And to the point where you can have confidence working out by yourself yes. in an unfamiliar gym. Mm -hmm. Which is a huge thing. Like that, that's scary yeah. in itself. Which actually is like the perfect, <laughs> perfect segue to kind of wanted to talk about like what's been even happening over the last couple of weeks. Cause I just think it's interesting, but, um, well people talking about people, mm -hmm. not gossip per se, but like it's yeah. the interesting stuff is like what's been going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, unfamiliar gyms, right? I was in 
Quantico last week. Mm-hmm. And we take a, a quarterly active recovery week every week or every uh, every quarter. Yes, every week is an off week. It's a rest and, week every week for And us. my clients just pay me. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No, uh, false. Um, no, the uh, last week during our quarterly active recovery week, the fall break, basically. So people are supposed to get outside, try something new, stretch, you know, go play with your dog, whatever. Like, yeah. just just don't be a gym rat. Like, get some vitamin D, right? Yeah. That's the idea. And it's good because it takes a little bit of load off your frame. Maybe your spine isn't as stressed out anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to kind of clear your head. And it's good because we come back and, you know, the muscles are fresh, the brain's fresh, and they're ready to work hard. But during that week, it was not a break week for me. Um, I actually ended up getting called to duty for a week. Um, instead of just my regular reserve job, I had to go to Quantico to do some stuff. Mm-hmm. And it also wasn't an off week for me because my personal training plan had me doing like aggressively hard workouts. Um, yeah, yeah, you joined <laughs> yes, me on one. on one of them. Yeah, we kind of did a little uh, remote buddy thing. I did my workout, she did the same thing and texted each other how it went. But like I, I knew going into this that the gym on Quantico was like really, really well equipped. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good facility. It's a very large facility. Right. But I also knew that it would be full of meatheads. Yes. And, and was it? Yes, and it was. It absolutely <laughs> was. Um, now, granted, endearing meatheads, right? Yes. They are my Marines. However, there's like three squat racks, and I needed a squat rack. Mm-hmm. Now the timing worked out, and I was able to kind of poach one. And this like circuit had to take place, you know, squat rack stuff, pressing overhead with a dumbbell, then swinging a kettlebell for two minutes in a row, and like another dumbbell thing, and like, you know, um, just enough time to catch your breath in between the rounds. But being in an unfamiliar gym can be intimidating. How did you feel when you were working out? Were you more concerned about like people watching you or what they might think of what you're doing? Oh, all the, all those thoughts definitely hit you. And mm-hmm. like, okay, I've been a fitness professional for 13 years mm-hmm. and those thoughts still hit still me hit you, yeah. right now. Part of that is because like I said, like my endearing term, like my meatheads, right? Like mm-hmm. the Marine Corps attracts some good looking dudes and some muscular dudes and some guys that are like into the fitness thing. It also attracts people that aspire to that and are definitely not that. Yes. <laughs> right? But they want to um, Right. <laughs> but the guys that are, you know, grinding away in the gym, they typically have an athletic background and a lot of times they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So the guy next to me was deadlifting heavy and his back was way rounded out. Ooh. But he's deadlifting heavy and he's working hard. Yeah. Like he might have known what good form looked like. But he was not doing perfect for him. I'd say within a tolerance, right? So I'm looking at that going, okay, well, whatever. I could ask him for actually a form spot. And it didn't help that I was not doing well that day. Mm. Like, I was struggling. Mm. I told you this morning that I had, like, a breakthrough moment on those squats where they were, like, nearly perfect, no pain. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I guess for for people that are listening, I've just recovered from a knee injury. Um, I had a sprained MCL in April. And it is November mm-hmm. and I'm like back to full duty as of a month ago. Um, but like it caused some compensations. And so mm-hmm. like heavy squats just didn't feel great. Right. Right. And these were not looking great and I was struggling through it. Um, but then you see like a bunch of other people in there like not working hard. Mm-hmm. Like the, the classic thing, like guy grabs a bench press and like, you know, kind of throws his shoulders around a little bit and then does a lift and then kind of you know, shrugs and struts and looks at his phone and goes and gets some water and then says, hey, to his homies. And then comes back. Yeah, and then comes back and does another set. You know, like you see all that stuff going on. So 
there were not a lot of people working hard, hard. Fortunately, I was one of them. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like where I'm the most, uh, what's the word? When you don't feel great about yourself. Here I am on the spot and like the uh, recorder's rolling and I forget. I don't know. Uh, self-conscious. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, yes. where I was the most self-conscious was in the overhead dumbbell presses. Oh, interesting. Yeah, for, like for some reason. And like I'm pressing a respectable weight, but like I just feel like my arms look skinny, right? And so, <laughs> and you're in a different gym with different lighting. Yes. With different mirrors, mm -hmm. right? And it's just everything is a slightly different perspective. And uh, I don't know, it just made me feel weird. Yeah. However have enough confidence to get in there and do it because the facility was available to me. Right. Um, a big key to me when you're on the road, particularly if you're on the road for work is as soon as you're done with work, go work out. Mm -hmm. If you let that drag out, it is going to be horrible. Yes. Um, you're going to go back to your hotel or wherever you're staying and you're just going to sit and you're going to stay. You, like, I'll go in five minutes. Yeah. You, and, and even if in your regular life, you're able to successfully go home mm -hmm. and like rest for 30 minutes and like, I don't know, like whatever people do at home in between them and working out. Like, I don't, I still don't think that's great. No. Like maybe that's your routine and you can get away with it. You Props won't. to you guys. Like, yeah. I can't do that. You won't get away with that on the road. No. Yeah. So, um, just basically going straight from work to doing that was important. I was able to successfully do that. Uh, the next day I strategically picked a uh, late Friday evening to go do it because I knew it would be less crowded mm -hmm. and it was less crowded, mm -hmm. but it wasn't less crowded enough <laughs> because again, like the people that honestly are working hard are like all crowded around the dumbbells and the squat racks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up having to like sign into the exercise room, the group exercise room. They wanted like extra <laughs> signing in and there was a trainer who was working somebody out and she was like barely working hard, but she was like clearly just a mess. Um, so I, I kind of, kind of chuckled a little bit and then yeah. like set up my own thing and, and just did it and, you know, watched their Zumba instructor set up for her Saturday morning <laughs> class and like fiddle with the radio. And then all of a sudden like disco lights came on. Like, oh my gosh. Like, okay. Oh my gosh. Dance party. Yeah, it was a dance party. And I noticed like two, um, I, when I had the opportunity to train some of the PT's clients after their rehab yep. at that gym. Um, I even noticed that I was intimidated just training someone at a different gym. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just because, you know, there's a lot of other people there and it was packed when I was training mm -hmm. someone else. And, um, I'm just not used to that because here we don't really have like yeah. a, a thing of being overcrowded. And right. No, we're like low traffic by design and yeah. it's good. Yeah. So it was just interesting to like think about that and, um, just trying to figure out, like what exercises I can do because I don't have everything available right there mm -hmm. as we do here. So trying to make it um, just like more fluent and mm -hmm. trying to see what exercises we can all do in this one little room first, that makes sense, and then move on to the next portion, but having to walk to a completely different room. Yeah. Um, so we would, I mean like geometry yeah. and like actually planning a session out, not necessarily based on paper. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we, this is the clear first exercise and then this yeah. is the clear second exercise. That is good on paper in an right. ideal world, ideal facility with an ideal athlete, mm -hmm. right? But if you're working with a real person mm -hmm. or a real small group, like sometimes you just have to be like, you know what, we're here, we're working. Yep. That's half the battle. Um, congratulations. Now, how do we get the best out of it? 
Exactly. And that means maybe reshuffling some of that stuff to just make it work. And mm -hmm. the good thing about it is you can you can still make progress from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a real world consideration. Mm -hmm. um, what else has been going on? Uh, we had our Nobel's Down event. Yes, the annual charity lift. Yes. I love that thing. It um, is. Uh, we've done one every year. Was it our seventh annual here? And then like 11th total, because I started doing them mm -hmm. at Innovative Results. Yeah. Um, but now that Peak Conditioning and Fitness here in Longmont does them, um, yeah, it's great. We get a lift for an awesome charity. We lifted to uh, provide relief to the Lahaina, Lahaina, Lahaina in Hawaii, the place that mm -hmm. had the awful fire that killed so many people. So getting them relief was a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had two awesome lifters. We did. Because you you already referenced it. You're having like a neck and shoulder issue. Yes. I had a knee issue. And um, I think Christina was dealing with the... Yeah, the, yeah. she had like a... Achilles. She was in with like a, like a sprain strain. Like not mm -hmm. a major thing, but like enough to not be competitive. Yeah. So basically our three best lifters uh, were off the table to actually put up like a competitive set. So how it works is it's an hour-long lift yep. with the kettlebell long cycle. Yep. And you can't put the bell down or else you are disqualified. Correct. It is maybe one of the hardest things that you can do mentally. Um, but it's so rewarding. It is really rewarding. Um, one of my friends just got done with uh, MARSOC selection, which is the Marine Special Forces. And uh, he was trying to like kind of dabble as I was preparing last year for this. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. And I so he that. took the weight that I was using and I'm already like into my 30 minute, 40 minute sets and like actually putting up pace and like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, numbers and like putting together like a sample. Well, this is going to be my plan of attack. He attempted 10 minutes of that and said it was one of the most miserable things that he's ever done. And this is a guy that just graduated one of the toughest selections ever, which has to do basically with carrying heavy weights for yeah. long, 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 long periods of time. Mm -hmm. And it's awful. But like, this is just new. This is a different level of pain. Mm -hmm. um, I see people with kettlebells as they just get started, like not to intimidate anybody out there, but hey, truth in coaching, right? Um, I see people panic swinging and holding kettlebells mm -hmm. the way that like children do when they're learning how to swim. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like, and it doesn't make any sense because you're in the open air mm -hmm. and you can breathe, but there is something about being under the weight of a bell. Yeah. Yeah. That just makes people kind of go My nuts. One client who was on the relay team, that was how he was. Oh, okay. When I told him, I was like, you, you pretty much need to do this because it's going to be great, great for you. Mm -hmm. And your form's good enough, you're not going to hurt yourself. And he was so nervous to do it. But when he yeah. got in to do it, I mean, he did just fine. Yeah, and, and afterwards, talking to him, like I knew he would, he had that kind of like sheepish grin on his face mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah. other people gave a lot more sweat and effort. <laughs> and that was, a, that I like psyched myself up, basically. But like, it's easy to do, but I was there, I was there 13 years ago or whatever. Like, and I did the same weight that he did, except I went the whole hour by myself the mm -hmm. first time. Um, but yeah, in any case, uh, so Samantha, uh, my wife, she got like 501 reps mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. And then with the 12 kilo bell and then Shannon pulled together a three, no, a 439. Yeah, four. yeah. So 439 clean and jerks. Mm -hmm. With a 12 kilo bell in one hour without a rest, without setting it down. Yeah. That's hard. It is mentally. Like, yeah. Even physically, when even after training for it, like you still get yeah. fatigue. But I think the biggest thing yeah. here is just 
mentally like it's a battle yeah so massive kudos to them for that um mm -hmm. and then we just wrapped up a tough progression mm -hmm. um which had a lot of footwork in it more than normal yes. which um i think is really interesting that uh we were getting a lot of the conditioning that way. Conditioning meaning, you know, cardio, kind of layman's mm -hmm. term, but the ability to do movement and breathe hard and like feel energy and just like get better at that. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes, you know, trainers will call it work rate, but, but like, why can't people jump? I just, I don't get it. Because they don't practice. Like it's a coordination thing, like a huge, yeah. like, being able to coordinate because there's a lot of things that go into it. You're working your ankles. Yeah. Your feet, your hips, your knees, your upper body, like it all, you have to coordinate it together. And yeah. a lot of people don't move like that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's just like, I almost don't understand it. And I'm not even talking like ridiculous box jumps. No. Like hugely just plyometric, like massively, you know, Olympic jumping athlete. <laughs> but like jumping, I would argue, is a fundamental athletic skill. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even talking crazy stuff, like hopscotch stuff, guys. Yes like hopscotch level jumping or jump rope level jumping, just give me two or three inches off the ground, if that, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people can't do that. Yeah. It's, I think it's leaving the ground with both feet at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll find that a lot of these people that can't jump at all also can't run at all. Yes. Now, like we talk about the two ditches on either side of the road, like I've gone too far with that and told people before you never ever need to run. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to run to lose weight, mm -hmm. right? But like to kind of be a complete functioning human, you need to be able to run a little bit. A little bit, yes. You know, it's, it's my favorite like joke thing to tell people. Like everybody knows about like, okay, you just have to be faster than the slowest person so <laughs> right. the bear doesn't eat you. We'll call that bear fit. <laughs> yes. Like if you're faster than the slowest person, even by a little bit, you're bear fit. That's great. But then there's, Someone. yeah, <laughs> but then there's tsunami fit. Yes. Right. Which is like, it doesn't matter if you're the slowest person or the fastest person, you have to be faster than the wave that's coming to wipe you out. Mm -hmm. And if you can get to high ground fast enough, then congratulations, you're tsunami fit. Right. So <laughs> guys, you need to get a little bit tsunami fit at some point. Right. Because yeah, things are out to get fast. you yeah, like exactly. obesity, diabetes. Exactly. I don't know, whatever, like just like missed opportunity in life. That's a tsunami, tsunami, <laughs> tsunami, regret tsunami. from like tsunami. missing out on doing things and sitting on the couch your whole life. That's what suck. Yeah. Um, and just so being yeah. able to be more active with your kids. Like, you yeah, know, if you're able to move a little bit faster, if you're able to, I don't yeah. know if you have kids, but if you do, like it's yeah. nice to be able to keep up with them. Well, and it seems too that like a lot of the people that struggle with that are older. Or very, very heavy. Mm -hmm. But um, like the, the agility ladder is, is the thing. I love watching people on that. It, it's, it's fun <laughs> and it's funny, but like it's, it's in vogue. Agility yes. ladders are cool and you can do cool drills on them. Mm -hmm. But if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, hopscotch. That's all yeah, it is. It's, yeah. Hopscotch, jump rope, just a little bit of hopping on one foot, a little bit of hopping on the other foot, feet in, feet out. Mm -hmm. You know, find a crack in the concrete, hop over that, like stuff like that. Just grease that movement and get better at it. Mm -hmm. um, everybody should jump. Yes. And then let's see. What's the last thing I have on my radar here? What just happened? Um, on Tuesday. On Tuesday. What it's happened? Halloween. Oh, Halloween. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How much Halloween candy did you have? I had like three pieces of candy. Yeah, three pieces of candy? Maybe four. Okay. Four. Okay, cool. That's it. Um, yeah, my kids like, how many did you have? They had, I'll tell you in just a second. Uh, 
they had an enormous hall. Yeah. And we inspected it. <laughs> and we sorted it. Because, like, I, I, I'm so proud of my kids. Like, we've been building Legos. And this drives my wife nuts. But, like, we'll get the pieces out on a new set. And I'm like, well, let's sort them first. Yeah. And so, like, they're, like they by will color. help me sort by color and then sort by size. So they wanted to do that with the Halloween candy, which yes. was hilarious. Oh and so we sorted it, like, from gummies to Hardee's to... You That's know, what like I did as a kid candy every bars. Halloween. I know, and I then you have it. like you have a bank. Yeah, you have a bank, and then you're like you're ready to trade. You're not ready to trade until you know your inventory. Yeah, or like, right? hey mom, you can have these ones because I don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, I remember eating Halloween candy. I remember my parents like being kind of like restrictive. Honestly, probably good parents about mm -hmm. that, but like trading Halloween candy was so much more fun mm -hmm. and that like lit up every part of my brain that needed lit up but yeah the night that my kids brought the candy in like we each had like two pieces okay. had, like two whoppers and then something happened yesterday I know what it was it's this progression I'm going through with really really heavy loading like you you got to sample one of my workouts and you're mm -hmm. like this sucks mm -hmm. so i'm doing these like three or four times a week right right and i found like for some reason on thursdays which is a day off like i have i struggle with some brain fog sometimes mm -hmm. and if i don't get up and like get on something that is a good task for your brain and i i mean like specifically yeah. not electronics like i can struggle with that for the rest of the day and for some reason yeah i lost it i probably had like five pieces of candy right before dinner rice crispy tree uh two reese's and then something else two other somethings like yeah m&ms i don't okay. know but like the mini packs like mm. thankfully the candy companies are like way more restrictive on portions yes. than they used to be yeah it's gross I just didn't go to the right houses where they sell the full or give out the full candy bars and yeah all the dangerous stuff yeah but i brought you i brought you no. a surprise what is it <gasps> Yes! Warheads. So Jordan is holding yes. a Warhead Extreme oh. Sour. And oh uh, it is November 3rd. And we're going to have this right now. Oh my goodness. I wish we had cameras. I haven't had one since I was like in middle school. So like who loses? Like the one that like flips out and punches the other person first? Or oh. how does this work? Who has the most craziest face? I don't most know. Most craziest face? All right. Audience will have to be the judge. <laughs> Ready, set, go. go. Yeah, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I don't know. Oh, okay, that's a face. <laughs> yeah, you're finally making a face. Mind you, last time I did this, I had like three in my mouth. Mm -hmm. It was bad. Mm, okay. Okay, I know this, bad. we're like risking, like sounding like dead air or whatever. <laughs> but that was 10 seconds yes, of extremely was. sour oh, and man. absolutely perfect in time for Halloween. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, the uh, the whole thing about candy is like, yes, it has the potential for high calories, but also there are some people that say if you have a little bit of candy, it can be satisfying and like prevent a bigger binge. Mm -hmm. That's a coaching technique. Mm -hmm. It's a strategy. Like the science says you should really not have a bunch of sweets if you're trying to lose fat. Right. Right. Maybe if you're a high athletic performer and you're like replenishing, maybe it's not such a big deal. Like but, The Rock where he has like pizza, ice cream, three cheeseburgers and fries. 
He's also a very large man. <laughs> he is. And that's also probably just a very large cheat meal. It um, is. Having Have said that. Have you seen those cheat meals? They're ridiculous. I, I don't want to see those cheat meals. Like, <laughs> everybody already thinks I'm a big eater, and it gets some people in trouble if they try to eat competitively, competitively <laughs> with me, and they don't know the method behind the madness. Mm-hmm. But, like, let's not share the rock's madness, <laughs> right? Is there a method? Absolutely. Will it completely derail most people? Yes. 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 Absolutely. But, point being... Happy Halloween, Jordan. Happy Halloween. Um, that's actually all I got. Yeah. What you got? I think we're running a little over time. But you know yeah. what? Like, I don't know. 36 minutes isn't so bad. No, it's not bad at all. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Well, what's coming up is a couple hard weeks prior to Thanksgiving. We'll do a little, mm. little turkey burn. <sighs> Uh, on the Friday after Thanksgiving and then hardcore season of the bells. We, me and Christina were talking and we're thinking about doing a, instead of an actual kettlebell meet for the Christmas classic. What if we did it like a normal gym challenge that just lives on the wall mm -hmm. and you schedule a time to get your thing in because I think it might be less intimidating. We get more participants still yeah. get to put the scores up, still has to be properly judged, right. proper equipment, everything like that. Um, I don't know. It's a thought. Yeah. Then we could just like have a normal Christmas party instead of a workout Christmas party. Who am I kidding? <laughs> we're we're, we're going to do a 12 days of Christmas and it's yes, going to be, yeah. And it's going to be amazing. That needs um, to be like a tradition because it's one of my favorites that yeah, we do. Exactly. Alrighty. Well, if you are near Longmont, Colorado and or North Boulder, Erie, uh, Firestone, then come train with us. Yeah. Drop by and say hi. And it'll be good. Speech of the week. Train, don't strain. Um, you should be working hard almost every single workout, but you should not be loading past your capabilities. Um, work your way in to those big, heavy workouts. Make sure your form is good. And always, always seek progress. Because when you try that superhero workout, you're going to hit the wall yeah. hard. Right. And you're not going to come back to training. No, you're not. Training is a thing that happens multiple days a week, every week. It is part of the art of consistency. See ya. <laughs>